Awesome. Christopher Corrado, welcome to the Schiller and Hamilton podcast, man. All right, thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude, I've, I've, um, so we haven't had a chance to sit down and talk much, but I've known of you for a while. You just seem to know everybody and kind of do everything. It's funny because, um, I first heard who you were through our mutual friend and trainer, Mario, um, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago with our other friend, Vit. Um, but then, you know, I see what you're doing on social media and Facebook, and I'll, I'll look and say, well, how does Chris know that guy? How does he know that guy? He's one of my friends, so we have a ton of mutual friends. So I have to talk to Chris. I have to figure out what's going on here. Um, so welcome. I'm glad that you were able to make the trip over here, and I know you're pressed for time because you're a busy man and have a lot going on. Well, I'm honored to be here. And I want to get into that. Tell me, I, you wear a ton of hats, man. Tell me about each of them real quick, and then we'll kind of dive into each one. So the main two things I have in my two businesses, one's uh, – an entertainment business, and one's the insurance and investment business. Mm -hmm. And then I am working on publishing my third and fourth book. Wow. Uh, then there's other things I do too, not necessarily for money, but hobbies. You know, there's done some amateur boxing in the past and then mm -hmm. also have a political show online too. Yeah, so I got to do your political show. Right. That was really cool. Um, so I appreciate you having me on there. Of course. So I want to talk about the comedy thing right off the bat because – here in little old Rock Hill, you don't meet too many people who do comedy or are comedians. Um, it's certainly not known as a mecca for comedy. And really, the South isn't either. Um, I want to know, you know, how, what do you, what are you up against? Or what do you feel like you're up against when you're trying to organize shows? And how did you kind of start to overcome that? Because you've really started to put this area on the map for comedy. And you bring a lot of people in. Um, I just have so many questions. It's hard to, to <laughs> distill it down into one, but really tell me about how you first came to this area, I guess, and, and how you got into comedy and how did you ramp it up here? Well, I've been living here for a long time. Mm -hmm. Actually today is 21 years since I've lived in Rock Hill. Awesome. Yeah. I got here October 30th, 1999. It was a Saturday afternoon, probably around like one o'clock that afternoon. Yeah. And of course I knew I was in a different place right away when people waved to me that I don't know. <laughs> right. It's not like that up, up in New York. You know, you typically don't wave to people you don't know. And where are you from? I grew up in Flushing, Queens, okay. which is a section in the borough of Queens, which is one of the five boroughs that make up New York City. Okay. Uh, Flushing, uh, if you've ever seen Men in Black, mm -hmm. when the spaceship crashes in the globe, that's Flushing. Okay. Or uh, the U.S. Open for tennis is Flushing. Yeah, that's a big change going from, like, New York to a place like Rock Hill in South Carolina. And even more so back then. I mean, Rock Hill's grown quite a bit. But in 1999, it was still old, little old Rock Hill. Oh, yeah. Um, what were some of the big differences you saw right off the bat? Well, like I said, when people would wave to you that they don't they don't know you, mm -hmm. uh, that's just a friendly thing. Typically up there, it's not people don't usually just wave to you. They don't you think know think something's you. wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, just, it just doesn't, it's not as common. Uh -huh. um, so that was different. Well, one of the things I noticed is kids were trick-or-treating on the 30th. And I'm like, I don't understand. And like, well, tomorrow's Halloween. I'm like, and it's a Sunday. I'm like, well, I, I know I still don't understand. Like, but that's church day. I'm like, so I'm like, okay, so they won't do Halloween if it's on a Sunday. Right. Because it's church day. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And see, the thing is I had religious background. I went to Catholic school. So mm -hmm. I, I, we, we went on, we went trick or treating no matter what day it was. So I thought that was different. So you started doing comedy in Rock Hill, or were, did you start doing it somewhere else? I started in Charlotte. In Charlotte? Not too far away. How, well, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, it was 10 years back in March. Okay. What was it like the first time you got up on that stage? Uh, 
I was nervous. Uh-huh. Uh, probably blacked out a good bit. And Yeah. <laughs> How, did you prepare, or did you just kind of one day on an impulse kind of get up there and decide to do it? I was definitely pre- prepared and uh, kind of went off the cuff a little bit. Uh-huh. Just because, you know, you might have ideas and whatnot, but a lot of times you change depending on what comes in front of you when you start going up there and telling the jokes. So it's good to have a general, my opinion, it's good to have a general idea about what you want to do, but sometimes you got to, just like with boxing or any type of martial art, you got to learn to pivot. So was this like an open mic night? Yes. When did you transition from like an open mic night to actually convincing someone to let you come on and like be the entertainment for the evening or doing it more um, officially? I don't know what the official term is, but. My first, uh, there, were, there were two. Um, came in within the first few months of doing comedy. One was a three-minute set at a showcase, and then one was a little a little bit longer. Um, one was down to Fort Mill, and then one was also in Charlotte. So three minutes. So I know comedians typically work in time frames. So yes. like three minutes and like 15 minutes, or what else? What else? What other kind of shows are typical? Well, I've seen anywhere from a three-minute set to a 45-minute set. Uh, so what kind of, what are you doing now? Like what your typical show is how long? It, it depends. So my set or the show in general? Um, like one of your sets. One of my sets, it depends on where it is. Mm-hmm. So like, let's just say if I've been going to the same place for like a year straight, they see me every month because I host it. So I'm not going to do as long of a set. So I might just do like five to seven minutes. But if it's my first time there, I might do 10 to 12. So why do you think the South in general and, and North and South Carolina tend to be ignored by other comedians? Well, actually, believe it or not, Charlotte is becoming starting to become pretty well known for comedy. Really? Yeah. Uh, there's people from New York coming down here, uh, people from Atlanta coming up. Do you think maybe historically that wasn't the case? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. So what's what's kind of changing recently? Is it just the number of transplants in this area? Yeah, it's uh, you know a lot of people coming down in this area, or just more and more people doing comedy. It's become more and more attractive. Have you? Um, do you think people are kind of starved for it down here because they haven't really? had that kind of entertainment for a long time? Probably, yeah. Um, well, I heard an interesting theory the other day, though, about how the South is actually, like, it's going to flip, and the South might actually become, like, the comedy hotbed due to COVID and how many clubs are shut down up North and how many more clubs are open here, so a lot more comedians are, are coming this way. Um, have you noticed anything like that? Yeah, it's not just, it's not even just, uh, North and North Carolina or, or Charlotte more specific. It's right here in Rock Hill and Fort Mill Yeah, because people from New York, uh, like coming down, even people from, I got a guy, he was based out of the Charlotte area when he started doing comedy and he's gone to LA a couple of different times, but now he's back and he's like, I think I'm just going to stay here now. That's awesome. Uh, but then when it comes to this area, because of looser regulations, mm-hmm. you know, I, I make a joke with this other comedian. I said, our shows are kind of like. Taco Bell and Demolition Man. And if you haven't seen that, basically in Demolition Man, it's a movie about the future and like some crazy stuff happens and Taco Bell is like the only restaurant to survive in the future. <laughs> Do you have a hard time getting other comedians to come to Rock Hill? No. Um, since for a while there, you know, depending on the situation, but now because a lot of stuff's not open, even the comedians that wouldn't normally come out to shows more coming just because they want to see comedy. So when you say, hey, we have a show in Rock Hill, they don't say, where? No, <laughs> like, that's, what is that like? No, no they're, they're more into it now. They know about it. That's really cool. So tell me a little bit how you put your shows together and, and how someone can find them. So, like I said, I was doing comedy for about about a year or so. Um, 
mostly in Charlotte, but a little bit at the Fort Mill Comedy Zone when they had one. Mm -hmm. And then one day I'm like, you know what? I want to expand. So I just happened to ask somebody who owned a bar in Rock Hill. I'm like, hey, can we do comedy here? And then it just kind of grew from there. You just basically go up to someone who owns a bar or a restaurant or anywhere specifically and say, hey, look, you have a business and um, I like to do comedy here. Can I tell you more about it? Does anyone ever say no? Yeah. Uh, some people have felt it's not a good fit. Yeah. That they like to just, we're just a music place or we're not even a live entertainment place at all. Mm -hmm. So then if someone says yes, like, what do you do? You go reach out to other comedians. Do you have like a, an inventory of comedians that you normally reach out to? Absolutely. A group of people that you normally work with? Absolutely. So, I mean, I give almost every, pretty much anybody a fair shot if I feel like they're putting work in and I feel like they'd be ready to get on a showcase. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of like boxing, you know, you spar. That's kind of like what open mics are. Mm -hmm. And then the showcase is an actual fight. So mm -hmm. when I feel somebody is ready to get on a show, I'll be like, hey, would you like this opportunity? I do like to stick with a certain group of people in the beginning, though, because if it's my first show there, you, you want to make sure it's one of the best ones. Because yeah. if it's bad, you may not get invited back. So you have to re be really aware of how you structure those shows, right? Like who goes on first, who goes on last, and how you kind of build and adjust. Is that something that you spend time with, like building that set or do you kind of adjust and pivot on the fly depending on the venue? No, that's definitely something I try not to steer away from. So, like, mm -hmm. I've had comedians come up to me like, Corrado, why do you always put me first? Do you not like me? Do you not think I'm funny? Do you want to get rid of me? I'm like, no, I'm putting you up first because it's a compliment. Ah, uh, so I know it's kind of, I've heard enough or enough comedians talk about how there's, like, something to the order on which you go on stage, right? Course, yeah. So is it typical that, like, the first one is normally... That's one of your most... Uh, Strongest ones. Okay, so you want to come out of the gate really strong. Oh, yeah. Okay, and then finish really strong, obviously. Yes. So do the headliners, would they normally go last? Usually, yeah. Okay. Um, so what do you like to do? I mean, when you're the host, do you feel like you almost have to um, kind of let the other comedians go when you hold yourself back a little bit, or do you still kind of get competitive and, and do a f your full set, like – in other words, what's the dynamic difference for you between being the host and being, like, the main headliner? So, on average, I, like I said, I will do, like, five to ten minutes usually mm -hmm. at, a, at a show. And a lot of my time isn't necessarily uh, spent telling jokes as much. It's talking to different people. Like, I see one dude here, another dude there, a lady across the way. And I'll talk to him and just, just joke with him. You know, be like, hey, how you doing? And just greetings and whatnot. And just get people to understand, okay, it's time to calm down a little bit. You know, the music, the jukebox is on. You've all been drinking and chatting, and now it's time to, you know, let us get our hour and a half to tell you some jokes. You ever have to deal with hecklers? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> is that fun? Oh, yeah, sometimes. Most of the time. Yeah, I'd say most of the time. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you should have seen some of the places I've done comedy at. There's a place that, you know, it's become legendary. Unfortunately, it's shut down. But there was a place called Koozies. Have you ever heard of that place? No. That is down in Catawba. Okay. And that's a place that comedy would have never been to if, if I didn't happen to know the owner. Really? But that's a place where, you know, the comedians were very intimidated when they'd go in there. Describe it, this place. Well, it's very, very uh, country bikerish type place. Okay. I, I know the type. And it's, it, it's totally fine, but mm -hmm. if you don't know anything about it. It could be a little intimidating to walk in off the street, I'm sure. Right. So there were people that would come there that would be like, I don't know if I should. They're like, you don't sound like you're from around here. Yes. <laughs> But I used to tell them, trust me, they know me, and I'm not from here, and they like me. It's going to be fine. Uh -huh. But that was a place where the hecklers weren't really trying to um, be mean. They just like to be a part of the show. So you might have five different people coming at you from different uh, 
corners of the or spots in the bar that you have to be sharp to come at. Everyone wants to be a comedian, right? Yes. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah, I've never really... Honestly, I can't remember the last time I went to a comedy show. I think it's been a while. And I wanted to go... We had talked about going... You had one last week. Um, and unfortunately, I couldn't go, but I'd like to come to one. But you do shows from a place like that to like a professional, almost office or corporate environment. Yes. Um, how do you adjust your act between like such a wide range of different venues? Well, every, every comedian, you know, that should have clean material and family friendly material because you never know. It just makes you, makes you more marketable, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so I always tell my comedians, you know, like, look, this is going to be a family friendly show. I recommend that you find some clean stuff because it'll open up other doors for you. What do you prefer to work? Me? I like a PG-13 type bit. Uh-huh. A little edgy, but you don't have to be too nasty about it. Yeah. So what kind of venue would that be? Uh, I'd have to say when we do comedy at uh, Dior's in Fort Mill. Mm-hmm. Um, even at the, the corporate, uh, the office space area, 742 North, mm-hmm. um, they're okay with it being adultish. They just People just know that don't bring your kids to that show. So is that a regular thing you do over there? Once a month. So is that... They do it normally on the evening in the evenings, or do you go there during the day when everyone's there? That one we've done a couple of open mics in the morning, mm-hmm. but mostly at six o'clock and on. So like the is next that's like show. a shared office space, right? Yes. Okay. So, is there always a built-in audience there, or is that something where people come in specifically to to hear? Oh, that that's show? typically you better promote yourself and get people there. Really? Yeah. Is that yeah. something you bring other comedians to? Yeah, yeah. That one, uh, like I said, that one. I mean, it's an office space. Nobody is going to hang out in an office space. It, seven o'clock at night. So you better let people know there's a show there. Some people might think it's interesting that somebody who likes to get in the ring and has a boxing background also likes to make people laugh. What are some of the things that those two different routes have in common though? Uh, it's just you in there. Mm-hmm. Like you might have a coach that can tell you stuff in between before the fight, in between rounds and reflect after the fight. And you might have other comedians that could give you some ideas on what to edit and timing wise. Um, but when you get up on stage or you get in the ring, it's it's just you, man. Mm-hmm. Um, which would you rather do? Which is more uh, which is which is more intimidating? Oh, boxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some people say they're like, you know, as afraid to do public speaking as they they would rather die than have to do public speaking. Obviously, that doesn't really bother you. No. Um, did it at first though? Very little. I mean, I shouldn't say very little, uh, in the beginning. Yeah. A good, a good bit, but did then that have, just faded. How, how does one, so you just decided one day to start working on material. How did you decide to get into comedy? I've had, I've always had joke ideas that whether it be something I've heard that I mm-hmm. would say somewhere, but then I was like, you know, I want to start developing my own stuff. And I always wanted to do it, always wanted to do it. And then one day, like I said, uh, this is early 2010, like a bunch of, I went on a bad streak of just bad stuff happening in my life, you know, mm-hmm. family life, work life, love life, and all just like was crashing down. And I ended up having a lot of extra time on my hands. And I realized that I could go down a dark road and, or I can go down a bright road. Mm-hmm. So I said, I found something on MySpace back when MySpace was kind of relevant-ish. Mm-hmm. And it was a place called SK Net Cafe in Charlotte. And I don't know who I was talking to, but I was messaging somebody and I'm, they said there was an open mic and it was a Tuesday night at eight o'clock. So I just went and tried it and then I just got hooked. Did you write anything down before you went in there? A little bit. So what, how has your process evolved over the years? 
as far as my jokes or just the, yeah. the thing in general? You're, how do you come up with material? Uh, just life, man. So you'll just normal life, something will happen to you and you'll say, ah, like that, I can work with that. Oh, yeah. And then what? You Do you go through different iterations of it? Like, what do you do with that? I might run it by some other comedians mm -hmm. and then you try to open mic and see how it goes. Are you someone who keeps notes? Yeah, I, I do need to do some more writing and put more stuff down on paper. But I feel like I've definitely kept a lot of it up here. Um, speaking of writing, so you're on working on your third book. Yes. Um, what are you writing about this time? This third book is about uh, now mm -hmm. in Rock Hill. Really? Yeah, the early early parts of this year in Rock Hill. So is it fiction, nonfiction? Are you like drawing inspiration from real life or both? Okay, all three. So basically, it's fiction based off of nonfiction. So let's just say I wanted to write a book about lawyers. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never been a lawyer before, mm -hmm. but I know people who have. Mm -hmm. So I'd reach out to somebody who's a lawyer right. and be like, hey, um, I know you practice law. I'm developing a character that does what you do. Can we talk about it so I could properly uh, write about this this book, this uh, this character and the events he or she goes through? Nice. So it's a novel kind of loosely based on what you observe? Yes. Um, what about the other books? Same thing. Um, how are those available? Like if I wanted to pick one up, where can I find one? Just Amazon.com. Um, so these were self-published? Did yes. you, what did, tell me about that process. How does one do that? Someone reached out to me after, I actually, I think I reached out to him. Somebody told me to go speak to this guy and he said, I don't think they're around anymore. It was called Create Space. Mm -hmm. And you could decide how much you want them to help you with the book. So you could decide, do you want them to do the artwork? Do you want them to edit it? Do you want them to put it together? And you could decide. And then depending on what you do, you could you pay them. But I think the second book I published, I didn't have to pay them anything. I, I literally just uploaded some stuff and, you know, they printed off. Did you have an idea in your head of what you wanted to write about the first time? Yeah, I basically saw as if it was a movie, a trailer in my head. Ah, so you kind of had an outline? Yeah. So it's pretty interesting because... Uh, you know, when you're younger in high school or whatever, and you're talking to your guidance counselor, they'll say, what do you want to be? And it's like they're asking you to pick one thing. Um, but you've kind of done this different path where you've done so many different things. Like, I want to be an author. I want to be an entertainer. I want to be in insurance and investments. And um, when you were younger, did you kind of have that mindset that you wanted to do a bunch of different things? Or are have you just kind of taken advantage of opportunities as they've come to you? I think the more things I've gotten to experience in life, the more I've branched out. So basically when you see an opportunity, you kind of just don't say no? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there, there are some things that I'm not, you know, as into that I probably wouldn't pursue as much. But if I like it, I pursue it. Nice. So what's the next thing? Uh, I definitely need to get better at um, home repairs and car repairs. I'm, I'm horrible with that, man. It's bad. <laughs> um, what about the comedy thing, man? Because that's that's to me is pretty cool, and it does definitely seem like we're in like another golden age of comedy. I mean, if you look at the number of specials on Netflix or you know YouTube, there's just so much more access to comedians these days, and uh, different ways that comedians can access markets and market themselves, especially ones that are very entrepreneurial and outgoing like you. What do you think is sort of the the future of comedy for you in this area over the next five or 10 years? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, I mean, you really don't have to live in the big cities anymore because of, you know, the internet and whatnot. 
So you could pretty much, I mean, you can't live just anywhere, but Charlotte's big enough to where, you know, you could you can do build well audience. for yourself here. Uh, like, I personally know a guy that a lot of the bookings he does, he's not even on the bill because he has shows booked all over the country. Now, he's not on them, but he has people in those areas who use his brand and he puts them on there. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to go all over the country doing these shows. It would almost be impossible for him to be to do that. So, yeah, I think definitely with, with online presence and having a YouTube channel and then people have been doing, like, virtual shows via Zoom, et cetera, there's so many different paths you could take. Um, me, personally, I'm old school. I still like to get in front of a crowd of people. Mm-hmm. Does that really help you kind of get a feel for what's working and what's not working? Absolutely, yeah. Do you? How do you feel like your your performance changes or improves based on the crowd that you have? Yeah, so when you go to a place enough, you start to get a general idea about what kind of crowd it is and what you what they like and what they don't like. Mm-hmm. So then you could decide what kind of jokes you think will work here and what won't. What's the, um, some people like young, young Trent here. I'm always <laughs> telling him he should probably get into comedy cause he's pretty funny. Um, what's advice that you would, what kind of advice do you have for someone that's starting out or thinks that maybe that's something that they want to do? I would say get about two to three minutes of material mm-hmm. and then show up to an open mic. When you say getting material, it, it, it seems so simple, but I know that's really hard because well, that's the hard part, right? Um, is that was have you gotten better at it? Is it easier for you now to turn experiences into jokes than it was maybe ten years ago when oh, you were yeah. starting out? Yeah, definitely. So it's just one of those things you just have to practice and develop that muscle, I guess. Absolutely. Um, you hear that, Trent? <laughs> yeah. That's why we have the open mics. That's literally a place where you go and you try the stuff you've been working out regardless of your, your material. So do you really like having that opportunity? And you kind of built that little, that network here. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, it didn't really exist. I think before you, there was one of the place I've seen them do comedy at a, uh, on a somewhat regular basis throughout the years. And that was at Patty's backstage, uh-huh. which was a, a club in the hotel on, was it, I guess Anderson or Cherry Road. I can't remember. Yeah. Right on that intersection. Yeah. And uh, I think unfortunately, uh, she sh- I don't know if she's selling it or shut it down or whatever, but other than that, nobody really has been doing much in this area. It seems like Trent's onto something, though, because you kind of need a critical mass of comedians throwing material off of each other and kind of testing each other and encouraging each other and working together mm-hmm. to really kind of build that ecosystem somewhere. Um, do you think we have that here now? We do. So would you say that Rock Hill's like on the map? It is. It's starting to be, yeah. Are other people kind of starting to take notice of it, maybe even, like, nationally? Yes. Uh, so just starting with th- this general area, when people from Charlotte are coming here to do an open mic, that, that speaks a lot. That's you know, pretty but, cool. Uh, I, then I do have, like I said, comedians that will reach out to me. I don't even know who they are. But they'll hear my name somewhere, and they'll be like, hey, man, I'm going to be in town. Do you have any openings around this time? I'd like to send you a clip and see if I can get on a show. You ever have to tell people no? Yes. <laughs> would you say, sorry, bro, you're not funny enough? Uh, no, I wouldn't say like that. Um, <laughs> typically, what I would, if, I, if I have an opening, I would say, look, um, I don't think you'd be ready for this yet. And mm-hmm. just come, let me, let me show you why. Come, come check out this type of venue and you might realize that. Because I had a guy and he still posts about it and he's glad I told him no. He's like, I'm so glad you didn't let me put me on right away because that would have really hurt my ego. So he was happy that I didn't put him on a show right away. Yeah, I guess you kind of have to be really good at rejection or failure to kind of keep going, right? 
Yeah. What's the, I mean, obviously you've had a lot of success, but have you ever just totally bombed somewhere? Oh yeah. And how do you kind of react to that, man? Like how do you, where do you go from there? I'll just make fun of myself. Uh huh. Like in the middle of the show. Yeah. Why not? That's awesome. Um, do you learn more when you bomb or do you about your set or your material? Or do you learn more when you do well? Both. Uh, but you, you learn how to deal with it better when you don't do well. Mm-hmm. And that's when you learn to, uh, change it up and pivot. That way you can figure out, okay, that's not working here. What do I do now? That way you're not bombing as long. Do you think if you had to kind of distinguish something that sets people who do comedy versus people who don't do comedy, do you think that that ability to handle that level of rejection or failure and to be consistent and bounce back from it, is that one of the big distinguishing factors, maybe even more so than how funny someone is? Well, that's probably with anything, you know, how well you handle rejection. Yeah. Whether, whether you're doing comedy, a martial art, or any anything in life that you want to go out and do. Uh, but a lot of that's going to depend on you. Do you want to persevere and keep pushing forward because it's something you're passionate about? Mm-hmm. Or you're just like, this isn't a big deal to me, so I'm going to do something else. You know, it, I don't know if you see this locally, but it seems like a lot of, of the well-known comedians are also involved in some martial art, whether it's boxing or whatever. What's up with that? Yeah, that I I have seen that. Uh, I know a couple of other guys. I know one guy's been involved in Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Another guy's been involved in Jiu-Jitsu. I think when you, kind of like myself, if you're involved in a, a type of entertainment, mm-hmm. if you're involved in a type of martial art, and you're in some type of sales, you better learn to be a humble, modest person. Yeah. Or you're going to not like life very much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And nothing's more humbling than, you know, getting your butt kicked on a somewhat regular basis. Yes. Or when you, you know, box someone that's better than you or whatever the case is. Like Spar Mario, for instance. Like, I know that's always fun because um, he's he's good. Uh, he's good at humbling somebody for sure. Um, but, yes, dude, speaking of boxing, um, I was pretty disappointed we weren't able to go see our friend Vit fight. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to the last time. He was in here talking about it, but then he tested positive for COVID and couldn't go. Um, but he has another one coming up in November. Do you know when it is? November 7th? I feel like, I feel like, like it's the 7th in Rock Hill. Um, are you going night. to that? I plan to, yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. What do you, um, when you kind of like look out maybe five years into the, the future and like his weight class, like do you know about any other boxers coming up in that weight class and kind of where do you put Vid against those guys? Oh, absolutely. So I was at an, another boxing event this past Saturday just to go show some support from another person promoting a show. Mm-hmm. And I did see a guy that Vid had fought in the amateurs mm-hmm. who just fought his first pro fight. So Vid's 2-0. and This guy's 1-0. And I feel like eventually, they're, because they're roughly around the same weight class, that they yeah. will meet each other again. Was this the one guy that beat Vid when they were amateurs? No, Vit beat him. Oh, Vit beat him? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but he's gotten a lot better? Well, he, yeah, I mean, it's not that he got a lot better. I mean, he's he's still great competition. When I watched yeah. the fight, I was like, I'm not really sure, who, you know, who's going to win this one because it was very close. Yeah. So this guy, I mean, you know, you're going to get better regardless if you keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't one of those fights where it's like anybody whooped anybody. Somebody just had a couple more clean shots, and that just makes a difference. How many rounds was it? This, uh, the one when they fought or this past Saturday? This past one. It was uh, it was his first amateur fight, so it's four three minute rounds. Okay. Um, do, so he's one you think Vit will have to fight in the future. I mean, if they if they take the fight, if that one of them offers the other one the opportunity, yeah. I mean, I know if I, you know, 
whether I won or lost, I would be like, you know, I think I'll f I'd like to fight this guy again in the pros. That'd be really cool. Because I was actually going to text Mario about that and be like, hey, you know, I just saw this guy fight this past Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think about the two of them meeting in the pros? Because that'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. Where's that guy from? Where's he box out of? He's, he's Rock Hill. Oh, he's Rock Hill too? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you have all this experience with putting together and promoting comedy shows. Have you ever thought about getting into the boxing promotion too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think I would do it. You know, I mean, I'd have to learn. I'd have to ask some questions and learn that process because I know it's going to be different. Yeah. Especially when it involves people who are getting, could get hurt. Yeah. As I've seen people. Speaking of, man, that last, Craig Parker's last fight in Rock Hill. See? Exactly. Oh, ooh, yeah. That, that was a pretty serious knockout. Um, yeah. Yeah, he laid that dude out very quickly. I've seen that happen in the pros and the amateurs mm -hmm. when someone needs to be escorted out because they're just not all there. Yeah. So that's something I would have to think. I need to be educated on that and that process because you have to have the right people there Yeah. that need to take care of those people when that happens. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny what can become normal for you and then you hear other people, then when you talk to other people that don't do that thing, they're like, wait, you do what? Comedy, for instance. Like it's normal for you to get on stage and tell jokes, but from the outside, like for someone like me, I'm like, you do what? Like, that's awesome. That's crazy. And it's the same thing with boxing. Like, like for you, or it's normal to like, you know, yeah, we're going to go spar. Like, it's not a big deal. But then you talk to someone else. They're like, wait, you do that for fun? Like, aren't you worried about getting hurt? <laughs> um, have you ever had, or do you feel any, like you've ever had any issues, like um, going between boxing and, and other things in your life? Like where, I don't know, like any, like, getting punched in the head or having head trauma that's maybe affected you with other things? Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to boxing, yeah, mm -hmm. of course, you know, there's always, it should be in the back of most people's minds that I, I, I could get hurt doing this. Yeah. You know, and how would I overcome that? Um, I think it would have to take a lot, I mean, a lot of, like, fights and hits to, for that to happen. Yeah. You know, not saying that sometimes just that one punch could really take somebody out, but for the most part, it's going to take a long time. And I think what's cool is like, especially at the amateur level anyway, you know, when you're sparring somebody, you're both working on your craft. You're not necessarily trying to hurt someone or concuss them. Um, and I think a lot of people don't really understand, like, there's a lot of mutual respect between boxers. Um, and it's not necessarily just, you know, trying to knock someone out, especially when you're just doing technical sparring or something like that. Um, but I've always thought that was interesting to to kind of learn more about that, like, it's not necessarily, oh, you're just going to go try to knock someone's head off. No, I don't agree. You know, sometimes you got to go hard in sparring because mm -hmm. when you're actually in the ring, it is a real fight. Yeah. So you want to go just as hard so you know what it what it feels like. Yeah. But even if you go as super hard as you can, you know, in sparring, it's, it's never going to be the same mm -hmm. because it's very different when you're in your own gym, mm -hmm. boxing somebody you know and might be used to. Yeah. Now you could be going in a ring against somebody you don't know anything about, mm -hmm. especially in the amateurs. You don't know anything about this guy. Or if you're, you know, female, you don't know anything about this There's not video girl. of them. Right. Yeah. And you're in front of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. It's, it, it probably would, depending who you are, might be very embarrassing to get, you know, to, to lose badly in front of people. Yeah. Especially if you have like family there. Right. <laughs> um, do you still have family up north? Yeah, most of my uh, siblings live down here now, but I still have a brother who's in the FDNY, mm -hmm. and he still lives upstate New York and goes into the Bronx to work. Were you the first one to make the tr the pilgrimage down here? No, uh, my sister had moved down here with her family at the time, and one of my brothers, 
he came down with her and her family mm-hmm. back in 99. And then my mother and I came not long after that. So we were not the first ones down here. Um, obviously, you don't have much of a accent of, you don't have a Southern accent. <laughs> but when you go back up north, do people ever say, why are you saying y'all? Or like, are there little things that they pick up and notice? Uh Usually I've done pretty good at maintaining it to where that doesn't happen. Yeah. Although it has every once in a while it will happen. Just It's just, just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, but I did say something one time, and they, they still make fun of me about it. This is a long time ago. So um, they asked me, <laughs> where do I live in in South Carolina? Uh-huh. And when I pronounced Rock Hill, I pronounced the I like in like two E's. Yeah. So I said Rock Hill. Right. And that's a very southern type thing to pronounce that word like that. <laughs> you know, not everybody in the South says it like that, but some people do pronounce their I like it's two E's. Yeah. Oh man, I they never they don't let that go. <laughs> and that was that's almost twenty years ago and they still make fun of me. Are you it. serious? Yeah. Wow. Just one time. Um, well, man, I know you're kind of pressed for time, so I don't want to keep you too long. But there's a lot of things I want to talk about. You'll have to come back again. Yeah. Hopefully sometime soon we can keep doing this. Um, but I appreciate you coming out today and, and coming and being part of this podcast. Oh, I'm flattered, man. Yeah, but I want to get real quick. Tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. Where's the next shows? How can people find out how to come see you and, and all the different comedians that you support? I mean, you can go old school and just call me. My cell is 803-984-5128. Or you could always look me up on Instagram. It's Christopher. And then there's no space, and it's my last name, Corrado. And Corrado spelled C O. Double R A D O. So Christopher Corrado, no spaces, and just uh, start following me on Instagram. That way, we can keep up with my shows. And I post on a pretty mm-hmm. regular basis, mm-hmm. whether it be the, the Facebook post, I mean, sorry, the Instagram post that goes over to Facebook or put it in the stories. So I do have a show tonight, first show at this place, Angela's Pizzeria and Restaurant at six o'clock. And then tomorrow night, I'm doing a benefit show. Uh, this gentleman passed away and they, uh, they're doing like a biker type run and it's ending at this place. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's Westside, also in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I haven't done much in Charlotte uh, this uh, since COVID-19, but we're starting to get back up that way. Uh, if you can't make either of those, what do I have ne- next weekend? You know what? I don't think I have anything next weekend. But the following week, I believe it's the the second Wednesday. And it's, uh, it's at Garvey's, which is also in Rock Hill, down towards Newport. They, uh, it's an open mic slash showcase. So we have a girl doing 20 minutes, and then anyone else who signs up gets five. Hmm. But, yeah, just check my Instagram out. and Or you could always go on Facebook if you don't have an Instagram, you know, under like pages, Corrado Show. So C-O-R-R-A-D-O space show, and then just like the page, and then you could check all the events there. Speaking of, I have to get a shirt, man. The, <laughs> I, the I survived the Corrado show. I, I guess I have to come survive a show first, but that I definitely need to get one. I think those are pretty cool. Yeah, I was told I needed to, to have those made because of how rowdy sometimes my crowds can be mm-hmm. with the people. or just Sometimes we've just done shows where it's been very hard to get people to pay attention. So if you ever like at a comedy show, you know, you never know who you might be seeing. You might want to pay attention. Yeah, you, they might be the next big thing. You might turn on Netflix someday and be like, oh, I saw him at wherever. Yeah, like the girl who's headlining tonight, her name is Jen Snyder out of Columbia, South Carolina. And she is doing 30 minutes tonight, and she is just fantastic. Really? Like, we are blessed to have her on her shows. That's awesome. Because she's that good. Awesome. That's something to keep an eye out for. So basically what I decided to do was not exactly what he did, but if I ever got, like, rejected or told no, I don't ever, like, really take it personal. I'll reach out to another venue 
Or if somebody says, hey, Chris, I want to come to your shows, but I'm not a fan of Charlotte. Well, that's why I built a scene right here in Rock Hill and Fort Mill. Yeah. Or sometimes people said, oh, man, that's that's a late show, 1130. And, yes, we've done shows at 1130 on a Thursday night. Like, that's so late. I'm like, well, what about a Friday at 7, 8 o'clock? I'll come to that. And then I booked those shows. Mm-hmm. 7, 8 o'clock. Or like, oh, Chris, I really want to come to that venue, but they smoke cigarettes there. I'm like, well, these venues, they don't. there's no smoking in there. So here you go. You basically have something for everybody. Yeah, I, I, whatever you want. So you're overcoming objections <laughs> in That's sales, sales, right? That's just, sales yeah. 101. They have to be able to overcome the rejection. You've got whatever the product or the demand is, you've got the product for. And that, that's one of my favorite things is when I can call people out when they're like, they'll say, oh, yeah, I can't come. And then when I say, hey, there's a show this Friday, it's at 7 o'clock right here in Rock Hill. And then you get, then they don't respond. <laughs> then they know they got nothing to say back to you why they can't come, so they don't say anything. That's awesome. That text will just sit there, no response, or... You'll see that they opened it up on Facebook and then they don't respond. <laughs> it's like, I got you now. Well, man, I appreciate you coming. And um, hopefully we can do this again really soon. Yeah. And thank you. Tell me again, where's your where's your show tonight? It's at Angela's Pizzeria and Restaurant. I believe gotcha. it's Mintworth and Charlotte. And there's, there's no cover tonight. It'll be about an hour and a half show. Awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Chris, talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.